everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And we're joined by former NRL player. He also played in the Super League and is also the host of the RMH Project, Ryan Morgan. Thank you for joining us today. This episode is made possible by Frankie & Co., they're a coffee-slash-cafe company based with 17 different locations from Sydney to Newcastle and also the Central Coast. Their specialty blend is absolutely delicious. At just 40 bucks for a kilo bag, that's an absolute steal. And they also do coffee capsules, which are compatible with Nespresso machines. So, you know, that's a winner-winner coffee dinner. So if you guys want to go follow them on Facebook and Instagram and also 40 bucks, you ripper, go buy yourself a bag of their specialty blend or their specialty blend coffee capsules from their website, Frankie and code.com.au tell them the final tackle sent you also discount codes coming shortly guys get keen yeah thanks for having me mate it's a pleasure to be here no it's all good um love the setup as we were just talking about it's yeah it's refreshing um you know because other guests don't get me wrong they are good they're great but they don't have you know the sort of setup that you do and it's it it definitely helps but yeah i suppose it's one of the perks of having your own podcast i guess You, you got the setup to to go along with it so as I was saying before, we got all the gear, but no idea. So it should be yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, honestly, that's that's a great quote. I bloody love that. Um, yeah, so let's get started with your grassroots. Uh, born in Liverpool, uh, Greystains Devils. What was it like growing up in that grassroots area? Yeah, that no, was good, man. Uh, so, yeah, born in Liverpool, then moved over to Toongabby. Mm-hmm. Um, played for a little, little bit for the Toongabby Tigers. Um, that was sort of my first taste of rugby league. Uh, played there for about two years and then transferred over to Greystains and, and pretty much played right the way through there um, until sort of you just move on to obviously into the Parramatta ranks like SG ball 20s and into yep. first grade type of thing. But yeah, yeah nice. love my time at, at Greystains. It's a good little family club um, and, and it's just good people. It's just just run by sort of just like a real family organisation rather than sort of the big... Like community. Sort of, yeah, the big... um like Wennies and stuff that you see, nothing against them, but it was just no, no. it was just a nice little tight-knit community. Yeah, exactly. Um, and let me put it this way, no offense, but I hadn't heard of the Grey Saints Devils until today, which goes to show that it really is a community-based club. It's not like, as you said, Wenty, who are, as you said, no offense to them, um, backed by quite a few things, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't sort of get that family feel. I actually played a year at Wenny, sorry, before okay. I went over to Greystains. I played a year there. Um, yeah, didn't like it. Oh, okay. I just spoke to my parents and stuff about it. And we we actually played Greystains that year and we played at their home ground. And my parents just like felt like that was a nice community feel. Like home. Um, like the coach and the, co- the coach liked me from when I played there. And and sort of, yeah, just made the transfer across there and, and loved it and made some lifetime friends. And we actually were quite successful um, considering we're such a small club. Um, oh, yeah. so think, Any grand final yeah, wins? Yeah, yeah, we won under 16's grand final. Oh wow, that's a big one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had a we had a few players that were sort of playing Harold Matt's SG ball at the time. So it was a little bit of a um sort of purple patch, I suppose, for I suppose the Greystains Devils. Yeah, wow. That that's decent as. And then you got your debut for the Eels, uh first grade team, not SG ball or anything, in twenty eleven. What was it like like, you know, the week leading up to, you know, finding out you're getting your debut to running out and against a sellout crowd against the Warriors? Yeah, I, th- I think it was a little bit different because I started round one. So oh, throughout okay. the whole preseason, as the sort of it wound down to round one, I sort of knew where I was in the situation of like starting centers and stuff like that. So I, I kind of knew probably about like two, three weeks out that I'd probably be playing just from like, I played through the trials and I was always starting in the trials. And yeah. and as you sort of come down to like the last trial, the last two trials, 
it's generally the team that's going to start round one is the team that sort of plays the first exactly half yeah yeah because like rounds one and two no offense to NRL don't really matter that's when you want to blood youngsters for first grade and stuff yeah yeah exactly so um I sort of knew but again you don't you don't fully know until obviously the coach pulls you aside and says hey you're going to debut and and it was a special moment for me like I, I remember it was actually the week before so we always get like a week off before we actually head into round one between the trials yeah, yeah so he is, told yeah. me he's like oh like enjoy your weekend and like you'll be you'll be starting um round one so don't don't get too excited you know what I mean just trying to keep me on the lows as a young fella yeah. um so yeah man it, it was pretty crazy I remember telling my parents and stuff like that and it sort of doesn't hit you until you, until probably for me to hit like captain's run, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, captain's You're like, run, oh shit, I'm playing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So obviously during the week, you know what I mean? It's very much like you got the whole sort of squad there. You're running um, like drills and, and sort of opposed sessions against the other squad. So it's very similar to how you would prepare for a game um, or or just train like during preseason type of thing. And then when it gets down to captain's run, like everyone else, like all the other team, has gone off to play like reserve grade and stuff like that. And it's just the core group of 18. Yeah. So, yep. Um, and then especially being over in New Zealand as well, it was like, oh shit, this is happening. So that, yeah, that well, was probably when it really sunk in for me. Yeah. Well, as you said, like you debuted in front of a sellout crowd in another country as well. Like, mm. what was that like flying over with the team and then doing captain's run for your first grade debut in another country? Yeah, it was, it was quite it was quite special to be honest and it was kind of lucky because that that trial game that we played we actually played against new zealand so uh, we played was there. it in new zealand yeah yeah we played okay. there like two three weeks before so i kind of knew sort of what to expect from traveling yeah. over there and stuff like that and obviously we do it through 20s as well but um it was it was obviously surreal playing oh sorry traveling with the first grade squad and stuff like that and and then running out in front of that crowd and, and even warming up in front of that crowd because it was, it was at Aiden Park. So it's not yep. usually there. Obviously, it's usually it's not Mount Smart. Smart. It's, it's yeah, Aiden, Mount Smart yeah. Stadium. So it was sort of a one-off game at Aiden Park. And and so it was pretty much sold out crowd. I think it was like 45,000 people. Oh, and Goosebumps, like, literally getting goosebumps listening to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I still get goosebumps talking about it now. And I remember we they had like the national anthem playing. It was obviously first round and stuff like yep. that. And, yep. and we were just arm and arm just looking up at the crowd and it was all blacked out and i'm just like wow this is crazy like for for the first time like obviously playing first grade to get to play in front of such a big crowd and and such a hostile environment as well it was just like it was because yeah it was almost surreal but i was so pumped at the same time did you get the win on debut yeah yeah we got yeah. the win actually 24 18 we end up winning oh, on the school line tough. everything that's always good. Um, and as, yeah. as I've interviewed quite a lot of like former and current players, they do say that their first grade debut, it just goes like that so quick. Do you reckon you felt the same way after that game? It just went so quick. Yeah, I oh, definitely hundred percent. I, I remember like obviously heading to the ground and stuff like that, being pretty nervous. And then next thing, like the game's just done. And then I was back at the hotel and just like <laughs> winding down, just going, holy shit. Like I just played first grade. Like, yeah, it, wow. it does. It does happen pretty quick, especially when you think about like the lead up for it. Because yeah, um, and I always say like, although I was sort of nervous pre leading up to it, but when I was in the actual training rooms, I was super excited and just super ready because you sort of when you're there, you just think about all the hard work and sacrifice you put through from, to get to that point. 
Yeah, so like it, it doesn't just start like that preseason or anything. It starts at like under 15, 16, exactly, you know, like yeah. all the extras that, that I used to do. And that's all the things that were running through my head. And I was just like, like I've worked so hard and made so many sacrifices to be here that I'm just like, let's just bring it on. Let's just have this and and fuck it. Let's just see what happens. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I was pumped, man. Pumped. Wow, that's awesome. That's honestly awesome to hear. And then a few rounds later in round four, you got your first first grade try and it was against the Cowboys. Do you remember that feeling? And do you remember that try in particular? And what was it like getting off the nudie run? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was nice to get off early, to be honest. But um, it was actually a little bit bittersweet because okay. when when I sort of crossed, um, I was tackled from the side and twisted my ankle underneath and Ooh, actually yep. tore all the ligaments in my ankle, grade three syndesmosis. <laughs> so, oh. It was a bit of a bittersweet. I obviously got my first try and I was pumped and had so much adrenaline running through me. I was like, yeah, just jumping jump around. Back and, yep. and then I was walking back to the kickoff and I was like, oh, my ankle's a bit sore, right? Eh? <laughs> and and I like, called the physio over. I'm like, oh, it's a bit sore. Like, maybe you want to check this out. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, nah, it'd be sweet. I was, had so much adrenaline pumped through me because I just scored. And I'm like, yeah, nah, sweet. I'll just play through and end up playing like another 10 minutes. And then I was like, nah, man, it's no nah, good. Honestly, nah, I can man. barely run. And then like the boys are giving me shit. They're like, oh, it's probably like a one like week. A You'll be back yeah. next week. You know what I mean? You rolled your ankle like princess and that. Yeah. And then yeah. came in um, for, it wasn't recovery. I went and got scanned and then came in like the next training session. And they're like, oh, so what is it? And I'm like, oh. 12, it's a uh, grade three syndesmosis I'm out for 12 weeks. But obviously, did you play it smart control. though? As in, after, as you said, you played about 10 more minutes and did you play it smart in the sense of you ran the ball and stayed down after that tackle, even though you weren't injured in that tackle, did, did you do that? That way the physio could come onto the field for the team? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it was actually worse because I scored just before half time. So we, we came in the sheds. And he like oh, okay. strapped it up and did sort of the test and stuff. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm sweet. I'm good to go out. And then went back out, <laughs> lasted like four or five minutes. And I was like, put the hand up. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Oh, that's, that's fair. Cause I would, I, I mean, obviously it's I, hindsight's a beautiful thing, especially not being an NRL player myself. It's you can, you can always have me like, Oh, well, I would have done this at the other, but do you think um, if you had your time again, would you have done the same thing and put your hand up or would you have run the ball, got tackled and then done that that way? You know, it doesn't affect the play at the same time, but it slows yeah, the play down and gives your team a break as well. Probably could have made it a little bit more dramatic, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. It is That's very is. true. That's very <laughs> true. Um, you spent quite a few years, at the Eels from after your debut. And then you headed down to Melbourne to play with the Storm under Craig Bellamy. What was, first of all, the opportunity like to play under him and the culture and, you know, the, um, in general, differences at Melbourne compared to Parramatta? Yeah, I loved my time down there. For I was only there for pretty much six months. And I just, I remember just, I just learned so much, um, especially obviously being in that organisation and being around like amazing players like Cooper Cronk, um, Cameron Smith, and obviously Billy Slater, like the big three, and Craig Billamere as well, was was really special, and I learned a lot from those guys. But at the same time, it's just such a such a great and well-run organization, like right the way from the CEO right the way down to sort of just like strength conditioning coaches, and even even just the like the people they get in there for like internships and stuff like that. That they're just all about getting the players ready, and they're all about making sure that that you're right come game day and you can really feel that. And I think that's why they're, they're very successful. They are quite tight, Nick, um, especially you think about like a lot of 
players that go there, they sort of travel from interstate and stuff like that. So it's very much like a one mindset that that's what they're there for. They're there to play footy. There's not many distractions of like family and friends and high school friends and stuff like that. So they're very much there for one common goal and that's to play rugby league. And, and obviously and it shows win. in the field. Yeah. And to win as well. They definitely have a real winning culture down there. And Absolutely. It, it's, it's, yeah, as I said before, it's, it's no wonder why they're always pretty much at the top of the table. Oh, for sure. And as, as I was about to say, given you've had an inside view of being at the storm, even though as you said for six months, you were still, you know, learning so much. Um, how do you think the storm are going this year? I mean, obviously proofs in the pudding, they're going so well, but where do you see them finishing up at the end of the season this year so far? Um, I haven't really sat down to, to work out like how the legs are going to work out who they're going to be playing in the semis, but it'd be hard to see them not making the grand final. I think, I think it would be good to see probably them and Penrith. I think they've been like the, the form teams for the last two years and it'd be just good to see them go head to head. Whether it works out that way, only time will tell, but um, I can see them being the two form teams and, and, and Melbourne's always strong. You know what I mean? They've, they've probably got the most experience when it comes to finals. If you look at the teams in the sort of top four, so you'd have to think they're, they're going to be hard to beat when it comes to in GF. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I'm saying at the moment, it's um, honestly Melbourne Storm, it's their grand final to lose right now. That's how in form and how, as you said, you know, it's, it's more or less, it's Melbourne Storm versus who in the grand final mm. right now. Um, but back to your career a bit. Uh, after your time at the Storm, you jetted off all the way over to the UK and played for St. Helens and London Broncos, but we'll touch on St. Helens first. What was it like playing in a whole nother country, a whole nother type of, you know, even though it's rugby league, it's still a whole different type of rugby league, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, it, it was interesting, especially, especially for like the first couple of months and stuff. Obviously, you go over and you train through winter and stuff like that. Oh, and and, it was cold and I, I, Yeah, I thought um, like Melbourne was cold. And then I went over there and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's like snowing and we're training. Yeah. But nah, I love my time over there. The, the fans are really cool. Like it's it's obviously not as big as what it is in Australia. Like obviously football or soccer is quite big over there for them. But the but, fans are still passionate as yeah, about the, the team. The little, like I wouldn't say little fans, but... The, obviously the big clubs have quite a big following, but like the little fans that they have are super passionate. You know what I mean? Like, well, like they'll 10,000 will make a stadium sound like 25,000. hundred percent. Like the, some of the, the most like crazy atmospheres that I played in was like at that St. Helens stadium and it maxes out at like 18,000 or something like that. So it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Like when they're just constantly singing right the way through and it doesn't matter whether they just don't like, stop. It could be pouring down in rain. It could be like minuses. They just got their coats on, just just still singing away, loving life. That's just, what footy's about, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and and they're super supportive over there as well. I think like in in Australia, it's very much cutthroat. It's very like if you're not performing, if you're if you're sort of if out your of the team's top not, four, and yeah, you can sort of see that how it's happening with Parrot at the moment. You know what I mean? They're copping a little bit of slack, even though they're going really well. And I think it's really cutthroat. Whereas over there, they're they're quite reasonable and they're quite like just want to support you. They just want to see the team gelling, going well. And, and just, if you're putting in 110%, that's all they just want to see. Exactly. Like, even if you're losing, but if you're trying your bloody best, you know, like, and literally leaving nothing out, like leaving nothing out when you're on the field, yep. you know, that's all you can ask. Mm, yeah. It's very much like that. And, and um, it was, it was also nice to go over there. They're quite a ses successful organization. Oh, they are. Um, and they've been killing it for the last couple of years. And, 
and that goes to show very similar to Melbourne. They have very much a winning culture um, and they got a good CEO right the way down through the trainers. They're, they're very much handpick who they want in their organization. And obviously it shows with the trophies that they've won in the last couple of years and some of the records that they've broken over there at the moment as well with like points scored and stuff like that. Um, still very much follow the teams that I played with in the past. And it's good to see like all the, the, the hard work's starting to pay off for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, and while you were over in the Super League, which team was the toughest to go up against for you? Like as in either physically or, or mentally? Um, I feel like probably Wigan yep. would, be, would be the toughest, especially sort of playing for St. Helens. Yeah. There's very much a rivalry, like that's their derby. Yep. So it, whether like we weren't going too good or Wigan wasn't going too good, it didn't really matter. It was like a grand final every time you played. Like it was just yeah. the crowd was always electric. Um, there was always a massive build up. There's always that like hate rivalry. The first hit ups always, always epic. So it's, it's just very much you've got a feel of like a grand final or semi-final type feel to it every time you play. So they were always sort of the hardest games that we, we played. And they're quite a physical side. They got a decent forward pack in that. So they get stuck in you. Oh, for sure. Um, and obviously you uh, ended up going to London Broncos um, after your time at St. Helens. What was it like going to London of all places, which isn't really a big rugby league community, let alone the country isn't a big rugby league. What was it like, yeah, down in London playing for them? To be honest, I loved it. Like it was like football aside, London is probably one of my favorite cities in the world. Like it's yeah. amazing. And just being able to like play rugby league there was just in itself yep. was, was pure joy. Um, but, but besides that, it was amazing team as well. You know what I mean? They got a really good coaching staff down there. Just um, really just push the positivity. You know what I mean? Like we didn't yeah. have the cap that St. Helens and stuff like that did. Um, so you just did the best with what you could. Exactly. And it, it was very much open about that as well. Like we knew that we didn't have the money to go and buy the the big name players and stuff like that. And, and, but we just all bound together and took it, took it on the journey. And would you say it sort of reinvigorated a spark of like love of rugby league sort of thing again for you? It, it did. It did a little bit, to be honest, like, because it was so much like of, of like almost turned into like a fairy tale story because everyone wrote us off and, and we were very much so that well we wouldn't, that even, wouldn't even win a game. Yeah. And actually, if you look at sort of the games that we won, it was such a tight battle down the bottom that if you look at any past years, we would have definitely missed regulation. And it actually turned out that we played Wakefield to see who would go down. So they didn't have yep. a million pound game that year, but it sort of turned into that million pound game between us and Wakefield. And, and um, I remember we... Like so they released the schedule sort of halfway through the year for the rest of the year. Yeah. And we were never televised or anything like that, obviously being sort of in the bottom half, but they actually flipped it around because the the top five was sort of locked in and that they were yep. sort of opening up the gap. So that was obviously getting a little bit boring for them. And but there was such a tight it was like four teams could get relegated. So they yeah. actually flipped it around. So like our last three or four games were actually moved to TV games. So oh, like, wow. Yeah, so it was like a battle of the top four. That turned into like a little semi-final series for them. And, and we ended up playing like, yeah, all TV games and they flipped it all around, which is quite funny. But yeah, it was it was just a cool year. Like, as I said, we were written off from the start of the year. They said that we wouldn't win a game and we ended up having a very successful season for like what we had. Yeah, and, for sure. And Did you beat Wakefield? No, no, we actually end up losing. They end up, we end up, they did get um, relevate, relegated, sorry. Um, but 
but that's yeah, not that you know they had a successful season regardless yeah exactly exactly and it is obviously you want to win and you and you sort of you definitely don't want to be getting relegated or anything like that but for considering that they said that we wouldn't win a game and we went on to win like 10 games and we beat St. Helens twice and stuff wow. like that. And, and we did that at home and the fans were going crazy. And so just little things like that just really made the year and just the group of boys as well. Um, Cause we all sort of had that one goal of like, we're all written off at the start of the year said that none of us were super league players. So we all just sort of bound together and just like, we've got nothing to lose. Let's just go out, play good footy, have beers after sort of thing. Like it yeah. was literally like park footy, but getting paid to do it. Yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. That, that's awesome. Sick. Honestly, that's good. mate. That's so awesome. I, I think I, that's why I was like, I, I knew I was making the right decision to retire because I feel like that year was just, it was just a good year. And I didn't think like much would top that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that whole vibe. And then honestly, that's, that's amazing to hear. Like, cause from a fan's point of view, my team got the spoon last year, the Broncos. Um, and everyone's more or less written the Broncos off this year. And like, Hey, even I did a bit, I didn't let me persuade. I didn't expect us to get um, as many wins as we have this year. Um, about every single time that we've won, it's been like, fuck yeah. You know, like it's, we've already won more than we did last year and everyone was cl- tipping us for the spoon for two years in a row, even though we're pretty close to it. But, you know, it's, it's that vibe of, you know, like very similar to like you with you, when you were with um, London Broncos, it was, everyone's riding the Broncos off like the Broncos, (laughs) everyone's riding the Broncos off. It's just amazing to see that even though, you know, we are doing pretty poorly, we're still turning heads while doing it. We're still, we're not conceding as many points as last year. It's, and it's that sort of vibe that I'm guessing as a fan for, of the Brisbane Broncos, the fans of London Broncos felt watching you guys in your final season there. This episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor, Gold Coast Trading Cards. They are an authorized TLA trading card dealer and they are the NRL collector's choice. From box breaks to individual cards, they sell thousands of them. Be sure to get all of your NRL trading card needs at Gold Coast Trading Cards. Yeah, yeah, it's very much that case of adversity as well, you know what I mean? overcoming that adversity just makes the bond so much stronger. It makes it so much more special. Like it's pretty, pretty cliche, but like the, the hard times make the good times, so to speak. So um, it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed that year. It was probably one of my favorite years of footy considering the, the result that came out of it. It was, it yep. was definitely probably one of my favorite years. That's bloody awesome. I love it. And what have you been doing with yourself since retirement? Um, so since retirement, I've started like doing a bit of PT work. I'm a qualified nutritionist. So um, doing a bit of work online, just helping people with their diets, with their training regimes, any sort of transformation they want, any health journey. So I've been really enjoying that, man. Just sort of giving back a little bit. Obviously, through my career, I've been able to accumulate a bit of knowledge about like health and fitness and stuff like that. Of being course. around some of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world and and just picking their brain and, and obviously a nutritionist, having access to a nutritionist all the time, picking their brain. So, um, and it's always been a passion of mine. Like footy was very much an outlet for me to practice that all the time, which is why I love footy so much. And I, yeah, I just pretty much got paid to train all the time. So now like I'm just sort of knew that that would be a natural transition for me to head down the, the, the health and fitness path and then start to incorporate everything that I've learned and, and implement that for people um, just everyday people. 
Yeah, fair. And how was the transition um, from playing Trooper Time? And as you said, obviously, the going into PC Health, but how was like the immediate like three to four months of from retiring transition for you? Yeah, so like probably the three to four months, I obviously when I started up, like I didn't really have any clientele base or anything like that. So I had to work like with my family and stuff like that. And they own like a cold storage company, which I'm very lucky to be able to obviously get a job with them and stuff. But it was very much a complete 180 from what I was wanting to pursue, obviously in the health and fitness space to be essentially like a, a forklift driver type of thing. And nothing against forklift driver is just, it was just not something that I see myself doing, but obviously I had to pay the bills um, and just keep the, keep the money ticking in. So I did that for a little bit and just trying to juggle, build my clientele. And, and that was definitely an eye opener for me. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was five o'clock start and generally it'd be 12, 13 hour days type of thing, which is, Something I was not accustomed to at all. Definitely not. No. <laughs> like a, a big a big day for us was like a seven o'clock start and three o'clock finish. And, yep. and and as I said, it was mostly just running around with your mates and lifting weights and tossing around a ball. So it was very much going from living the dream to shock reality of 12 hour days in a warehouse type of thing. And but again, I'm super grateful for that. I know a lot of people, especially through these times, are are struggling to get jobs and stuff like that. And I sort of just slotted in like enough to have a family business. But um, yeah, it was definitely an eye opener for me. And it was just a good insight as well into sort of how people can fall off with their, with their health journey and, and, yeah. and lose and lose that health side. Even for me, like I find my, I consider myself quite health conscious and I've always been one that, that would never skip training and, and never sort of have a bad diet or anything like that. But working those hours, it was hard to always maintain a good training regime and maintain like a good healthy diet. You know what I mean? Sometimes just time restraints, are, there's just not much you can do about it when you're working 12, 13 hour a day. So yeah. it was good for me to be able to, to live that life for a little bit. So I could um, just understand my clientele a little bit better to, to, to realize that health can't be your number one priority all the time. Sometimes, you know, you, you have to make money, like money has to keep ticking in so that you can live. So it was just a nice little change up and, and a good perspective change, I think. Yeah, wow. That's honestly a yeah, really interesting perspective to hear that. As you said, um, I won't reiterate it because obviously when the listeners listen to this, I'm, I'd literally just be um, repeating what you said. But wow, that's, it's, it's interesting to really hear that side of the transition, uh, like from professional playing to work a day for lack of a better term. Um, and how did um you know starting up your pt business and your pt in general get affected when covid hit last year and again this year at the moment um well it was always my idea to push for online side so it was kind of lucky that i did because that side of the business wasn't really affected too much and obviously i can still do like one-on-one -on -one sessions like i still do park sessions also train out of a gym um in glebe as well called king beats they're lucky enough to have like an outdoor section although okay. it's only one-on-ones and not in the gym, but we're still lucky enough to sort of have an outdoor section right near yeah. the gym, which is, which is very lucky for us. So it hasn't affected it too much, which, which I'm very thankful for. Um, I used to do classes. That's obviously like cut out. There's no sort of um, like big classes, group classes or anything like that. Can't do that anymore, but we're lucky enough to still be able to do one-on-ones, still be able to train at parks, still be able to do online training as well. So, But um, you could do group training on Zoom, couldn't you? Yeah, it can do group, group training on Zoom for sure. Um, I haven't sort of looked into that, to be honest. I've just been focusing on the, the clientele that I have and just making sure they, they are getting the success that they need. But 
it's cool to see how much the the world sort of changed a little bit to try and adapt to going online. And even this, like it's so common to see podcasts now done over zoom where you sort of wouldn't even think to do it back in the day type of thing. Um, But it's, it's kind of a cool time. Obviously I love that one-on-one interaction and I love the group class situation and, and even podcasts, you know what I mean? We were saying off, off air before that, that, we would love to be face to face having that yeah. interaction and just it's more of a chat obviously instead of talking to a computer type of thing but um it's, it's just what well, we're living in it at the moment and it's good to see people adapting and it's cool to see the ideas that are coming out of it oh exactly and i'm glad that you've been able to for lack of a better term seamlessly adapt to um online type stuff and the one-on-one outdoor settings for gyms because a lot of them a lot of them have adapted, but some of them haven't. And it's good to see that you're still able to thrive with that. Uh, who was the biggest pest during your time in the NRL and the Super League? Um, biggest pest? It can uh, be at the club or whenever you played against someone. <laughs> um, I'd probably say if for like para, I'd say Hindy was a bit of a pest. <laughs> Hindy or Fui. Fui yep. was a massive pest as well. You just like what about What about Shackleton? Yeah, Shackleton, oh, he wasn't too bad, to be honest. He, he just went at fooey heaps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was actually quite funny. Like, he, he just, like, um, gave it to a whole heap of boys. Like, there's, like, a few, especially Islanders, obviously, he had his his Islander accent in yeah. down pat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, probably, like, Fui and Hindy uh, at at Melbourne. Uh, wasn't too many, like, sort of, like, Christian Welsh, he used to play a lot of pranks. Uh, Munster used, used to do mind a few pranks and stuff like that. Um, and then probably playing against someone, probably like the few times I played against Bo Ryan. Yeah. He was like, he was a bit of a sledger, but he wasn't, I was like, say, yeah. Sledges, he wasn't yeah. like your typical sledger. Like he'd make you laugh, which kind of pushed oh, okay. you off yeah. even more. Yeah, like but he'd be like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, like if someone was sledging you, you'd kind of like rile you up and you were like, oh, sweet. Like, you kind of get me more into this. Like, it's making a move one-on-one battle. The laugh would throw you out of the game a bit. Yeah, yeah. So it was almost like the opposite. Like, he, he'd take it in the sense of like trying to be your mate type of thing and then like like joke with you and you're just like, shut up, man. I'm trying to focus. And like, <laughs> you like half just find yourself like laughing when he does shit. And it's just like, and it, yeah, throwing you off your game. That's a, any tip for players these days, just try and make, you play the other opposition laugh. Probably yeah, the best fair. way. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, and speaking of uh, sledges, what's the best sledge you heard, or whether it's at you or to, or you heard in passing while playing? Doesn't don't have to name names, and I'm happy to bleep out any very bad expletives if needed. Um, I think it would definitely be something in the scrum. Oh yeah. Uh, there was one. There was one. It was like. I can't remember who it was, but it was it was something about um them just calling each other fat like the whole time. And like the whole game just went on and they just kept calling each other fat. And I can't I can't exactly remember, but it was it was cracking yeah. me up because like obviously when you play center sometimes you pack in on the short side scrum. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you just get like obviously they'd be go off and have scrums in the middle of the field and then they'd come back and they'd still be going at it. I can't remember <laughs> who it was. I think it was that para. I think it was yep. that para, and they're just giving each other shit for being fat. It was pretty oh, funny though. That's <laughs> fucking great. Um, what's your favorite and or best memory of you know your entire playing career? Uh, best memory probably probably be when I debuted for Melbourne and then I played Para. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That that was a, a massive standout for me. 
Um, it was obviously just cool to to be able to play for a good organization like Melbourne, mm-hmm. but then also play at Parramatta Stadium against Para for like my first. It's just it just like obviously the whole. It would have been a bigger hype for you, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, no animosity or anything like that no. um, between me and Para or any guys that were there. But obviously, when you are playing an old, an older team and sort of obviously got shafted out for other players that were there, it was just nice to sort of just take them on and, and obviously prove to yourself that, that, um, that you're sort of worthy type of thing, I guess. So yeah. did you get the win? At Paris yeah, we ended up, yeah, we ended up getting the win. So, so that that's, was that's probably, that's probably well. why, why it's such a fond memory, I think. Yeah. Um, nice. so was it a big one, win, like a big margin or was it a close game? I know no, it was a close, it was a close one actually. Um, we, we did well. I think it was, I think it like finished 16, 14, but we, kept, oh, wow. We kept them to nil for like 75 minutes or something. They got to keep like just in the last couple of minutes. But um, it it was, it was a good win for us, but it was, it wasn't obviously a blowout or anything like that. Yeah. No, well, compared to the current scores these days, it, yeah, definitely not a blowout. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, Definitely different. (coughs) Let's talk about the RMH project. Um, It's your podcast. First of all, where can it be uh, found online and what is it about? Um, yeah, so all sort of platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anything, any sort of where you can find a podcast. It's obviously in the link in, in my bio on my Instagram and stuff like that. You can check it out on Linktree there. Um, but pretty much what it's about is just like health, fitness, uh, talk about all things from like fat loss to, to how to sleep better, stress less. Um, it's just something that I've always been interested in. I've always had a passion for learning about health and fitness. It started with me wanting to be able to play better. Um, and then it just flowed on and I just learned more and more things. And eventually now it's, it's just turned into how can people live healthier, like sleep better and be more focused and, and a little bit more along the lines of how I'm sort of transitioning into business. It's, it's not so much about like being performance and trying to like be super strong and super lean and stuff like that. It's more um, just, eliminating brain fog and and just like trying to be healthy obviously you're trying still to be the to... healthiest version of you that you can be sort of thing yeah exactly and um it's, it's not too much obviously you still want to look good type of thing yeah. and 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 obviously you want to be able to take your shirt off at the beach and and enjoy yourself but at the end of the day it's, it's more sort of just as yeah you said just trying to be that healthiest version of yourself whether you are someone who's focused on your professional career and and you, you want to be lasered in focused have that have no brain fog and stuff like that. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, then I'll talk about that as well. So just a whole oh. broad scope. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you do it as a solo podcast or do you have guests? Yeah, so I have both. Um, okay. There's a few people that I've met along the way in the industry um, that I get on and we talk about a whole host of things. I've had like um, exercise therapists on there. I've had um, like a, a, like women who just solely, solely work with women and like she's super um, knowledgeable about all women's hormones and stuff like that. So it's a whole diverse sort of, especially with my guests. And then also have solo ones where we just pick a topic and, and generally I'll put it on my Instagram and, and what do you guys want to talk about? And people yeah. will comment and stuff like that. Like I had one the other day that I recorded about supplements because people wanted to know more about supplements. So I do my solo ones on a very sort of, specific topic that i'll try and cover and give as much knowledge as i can and then obviously the other ones are just a bit more broad so people can just get a get a spectrum from everywhere in, in the fitness and get industry. an idea from someone who's a professional in a certain part of the industry sort of thing. exactly exactly yeah 
No, that's awesome to hear. Um, well, I'll definitely drop, you know, the links, well, your link tree at least, in the description of, you know, when this episode goes up. So if anyone is interested in listening to, you know, the RMH project, I'm guessing the H stands for health. Yep, yep, yeah, it's yep, the RMH yep. health project. Yeah, yep, run, yep, the RMH project. I'll definitely pop the links in. So, you know, anyone who's interested, give it a listen. Um, Thanks, top. No, that's all good. This episode is made possible by one of our sponsors, Drum Clothing. They are a clothing store company based in Woi Woi, New South Wales, Australia. But guess what? They ship Australia-wide. They have a great range of winter clothing with their current uh, winter drop happening at the moment. So be sure to go through Drum. Tell them CJ sent you from the Final Tucker podcast. Also, we have uh, discount codes dropping soon. So be sure to keep an eye out on our Facebook and Instagram. Who was your idol? Growing up in the NRL, in the NRL, that would be probably Tamana Tahu, I think. Yeah, Tahu. I got I got to meet him a few, in 2019, and he's an absolutely top bloke. Yeah, yeah, he is a good guy. Um, I was actually fortunate enough that he was at the club in 2011 when I came in and trained. Oh, yep. so we actually they were actually trained a preseason together. He ended oh, up wow. parting ways with the club, and I. Th- I think it obviously worked out well for me because we're obviously um, you were the same position. Down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in the same position. Um, but I'm super grateful for the time that I got to spend with him. Um, and he's just also a very big got, health nutritionist to, type person. Yeah, and what he got to teach me and just the way he sort of carried himself. But um, before that, obviously moving into the outside backs, I was when I was younger, I was like a short little fat kid. So I played like front row all the time. And yep. then I sort of I grew up, had a growth spurt and got taller, got a little bit leaner. And then they was like, oh, mate, we'll push you into the outside back. So once I sort of um, solidified my spot as a center, then I sort of obviously looked to other centers and and he always appealed to me. Um, he was such like such a great player at Newcastle. And then when he stepped into the center role, for like Parramatta and stuff like that, he was just sick all the time. So he'd probably be someone that I definitely looked up to and, and sort of tried to model my game around. I don't think I did it quite as successfully as he did, but um, he, yeah, he's obviously a great player. Oh, absolutely. Um, and was, as you said, you were a short little fat kid, played in the forwards. Was there any forwards that you used to love watching as a kid? Um, for, uh, trying to think. And what I think team like did I, you follow? Andy was always there. Like, you know what I mean? He was always just, it, we were him sort of very much similar to the way we played forward pack. Like I was just, I wasn't, overly fast i wasn't overly explosive i just sort of just read made, my, made my tackles and and actually for like a short little fat kid i played like the whole uh, the whole game well whatever it was back then i think it was 40 minutes or 50 minutes <laughs> it's yeah. obviously not 80 minutes when you're a little kid but um yeah so you just play the whole game and plot away so yeah he'd probably be the closest to like a, obviously an idol for for um like a forward yeah fair and obviously i'm guessing you grew up you grew up following Parramatta then yeah, yeah. Well, originally when I was younger, I followed the Brisbane Broncos. I used to love like Wendell Saylor and stuff like yes, that. And then, yep. Yeah, yeah. He's an absolute legend. And then a weapon. Yeah. When I sort of worked out that I was in the Parramatta district and and um and my parents were like, you know, like if you get picked to play reps, you're gonna be playing for Parramatta. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I just sort <laughs> well, of I want to play for Broncos, but yeah, like, yeah. So, like it can't happen. Yeah, so I sort of was like, oh, well, I may as well go for them type of thing. And and then uh, obviously I started loving the players like Nathan Highmarsh and Tamana Tahu and stuff like that. So it, so it, it was a well. natural change. Like it was a pick and stick and you've stuck even to this day sort of thing. Yeah, like it's different sort of when you are like an ex-player or anything like that. Oh, yeah. 
Um, it's different, obviously, for like a one club legend type of thing where they sort of stick at the one club. Obviously, we're very passionate about that. But I do have a love for all the clubs that I've played for. I think, obviously, it's a bit more special with Parra because I was a Paramount junior. I came through the whole system. I've debuted there. They invested a lot of time and effort and money into me as well. So it's um, it's it's something that I do want to repay them, like, obviously, with supporting them. Um, in the future and stuff like that. But I do definitely have a soft spot for all the clubs that I played for. Um, so I'll, I'll always follow them as well. That's fair. And I that also just thought of a really good topic. Because um, as you said, you came through the Parramatta Junior System. Um, who would be, if, if, if you can remember the name or anything, um, during your time in the juniors, you know, SG Ball, Harold, Harold Matz, reserve grade and all that, who would be the one, like the best player to have never made first grade that you played with in the Parramatta Juniors? Oh, man, there's so many, honestly. Um, let's put it, I couldn't even make the Harold Matz team when I was, wow. when I was younger. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, there was freaks, man. There was, there was some guys that were unbelievable. Um, there was a guy, I can't remember his last name, but his, his name was Peter. Mm-hmm. He, we played with him in SG Ball. He was an absolute freak. Um, I'd probably probably say like other players that did go on to play first grade but were unbelievable when they were younger it was like okay. Nathan Gardner. Nathan yep. Gardner, he he played for Cronulla. He was like just untouchable. Like a freak. He scored like two, three tries a game, like SG wow. ball and stuff like that. He was just you just give him the ball and just let him go. Him, Albert Kelly as well. Oh um, what a weapon Albert Kelly is. Yeah, like when he was younger, he was a freak. I remember when we um uh, were playing twenties. He was like still 18 at the time yep. and they gave him a crack at reserve grade and he ended up scoring five tries in reserve grades. So like uh-huh. against like other NRL players and stuff like yeah. that. He was just a weapon, man. Absolute freak. Um, but yeah, there was, there was so many to be honest. And, and as I said, like I couldn't even make the Harold Matt squad and, and not even like to say that um, like I was unjust or anything like that. It was just purely, I wasn't good enough. And I know that. Yeah. And because there was that many freaks, but it just, it's, it's one of those things where, where people sort of choose other sides of life, or maybe they don't sort of have the belief that they can continue on with it. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of a shame that a lot of players obviously don't go on, whether it's through injury or different paths in life. But um, I suppose it just goes to show, like, if you sort of stick with it, obviously you got a better chance of making it. Absolutely. Look like as as they say, trust the process, and exactly. that brings up an, another good topic. Of uh, is there any advice you know you'd want to give to youngsters, whether it's current players in the SG ball or you know even little fat kids that are that are running around? Uh, what advice would you give to them for the, if if they want to make it in you know the big leagues in the NRL one day? Yeah, well, as you said, just number one, trust the process. Um, find some some weaknesses and strengths that you need to work on, obviously still keep working on your strengths, but also work on your weaknesses. And you just, you got to put in that extra work. You know what I mean? Like I knew um, from a young age that I wasn't super blessed um, with like attributes, like being super um, like fast or super strong or big or anything like that. I, I sort of had a toe in each, um, yep. but I knew that I needed to do that extra work. So I would always sort of show up the training early like do sprint training, stuff like that, extra weights program, extra weight sessions and stuff like that. So if you want to make it, you got to make it in your number one thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. something that a lot of kids want to do. And there's a lot of talented kids that don't go on to make it. But at the end of the day, I've, I, as I said, I, I couldn't make Harold Matz. I, I was probably 
wasn't really the best player either at SG Ball or even in 20s. I was actually the last player picked for my first year of 20s. Um, wow. I, got, I got picked in like around 15, couldn't get a start. Um, but it's just, you just got to keep believing in yourself and then um, put in the extra work and just, and just be honest that, hey, maybe you might not have the attributes that some of the players have at the moment, but just know if you keep working that eventually it's all going to pay off and, and you're going to have that belief as well that you put in the work that you deserve to be there. You know what I mean? You didn't yeah. just fluke it. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, especially I spoke about like with my debut and stuff like that. I, I knew that I put in the work and I knew that I was ready. So very much if that is what you want to do, you have to make that your number one priority and you have to make sacrifices as well. You can't be going out and, and drinking all weekend and expecting to be able to kill it on the footy field come Saturday, Sunday, you know what I mean? So especially you've you, been on the beers on Friday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I know heaps of players that used to do that, even sort of at rep level as well, when they're 18 and stuff like that. Um, it's very tempting when you first turn 18 to go out and go clubbing and chase girls. But at the end of the day, if, if you want to be a rugby league player, you've got to make sacrifices.